Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Brant Hansen, on living at peace in the midst of a world filled with anxiety. So you outsource your worry to God. You say, I can't handle this. This is not my department. You're equipped for this. I'm giving it to you. And I'm just going to concentrate on today. And then Philippians says, you do that. And then you thank him for all he's done. So you replace the anxiety with gratitude. The result of that maneuver, it says in scripture in Philippians, it says, and then the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Brad Hansen, next. Radio host and author Brant Hansen is known for his self-effacing humor and biblical insights aimed at helping us live joyful and fruitful Christian lives. Join me now as I talk to him about his new book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad. Brant, first tell us a little bit about what you do day to day. Oh, sure. Well, I have a radio show. Um, I'm on a bunch of different stations across the country. They're Christian music stations. And um, so that's a big thing. I work for Cure, actually, this hospital network that I'm in love with. It's uh, it's like the most Jesus-shaped thing I've ever seen. Uh, these hospitals that heal kids with correctable disabilities, with orthopedic and neurosurgeries, and it's all done in the name of Jesus. And um it's an incredible ministry. It's like eight full-scale hospitals and programs that draw from all sorts of countries, the poorest of the poor. And it's just the sweetest thing. So I do a lot with them. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been married 33 years and got two grown-up kids and got grandkids. So it's all good. Well, for those who don't know, and you 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 mentioned this, I think, in every one of your books more than once, that you are on the autism spectrum. How does that impact, and it obviously does, daily living and, and, and your approach to the Christian life? Yeah, I was diagnosed years ago, way before it was cool. Like, it helped me like explain things in reverse. Like it was, it was really helpful. And I know it's made me different. Like, um, of course it does. It gives you some insights maybe that I wouldn't have had otherwise into humans. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I think I relate to God differently than a lot of people I know I do. There's not as much of an emotional component for me as I think there is for a lot of people. Mm. And I think that's okay. So I, t- I do write about that. That's what Blessed Are the Misfits is about, like relating to God as somebody on the spectrum and how it's good to notice that our emotions don't dictate reality. Like if we don't feel God's around... It doesn't mean he's not around. Uh, so I, I talk about that a lot. Like our emotions are not reality and God's better than all that. So, so yeah, it's, it's impacted me a lot. And um, I just, I, I just do think I relate to God differently than a lot of people. Well, your book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Man. You said, uh, obviously you're talking about anxiety, but also joy. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your hope for the book? I mean, I want to talk about specifics, but... Well, it's weird, except here I am in this Christian context, and I will talk about, hey, Jesus says here, don't be anxious. Be like the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. And people are like, yeah, okay, that's that's neat. But realistically, you know, we are going to be anxious. And, we are gonna, and I, was, I was thinking, I've run into this a lot. Like, no, I, actually, Jesus is realistic. 
the things he's saying, if, if I'm a Jesus follower, I don't think he's saying that just poetically. Like he means it. We don't have to be anxious. We do not have to be in a state of worry. We can just focus on today. And there's a, a deep joy that comes with that. And it's not a happy, slappy joy. It's not like when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about like, a, a, like, hey, I feel great no matter what happens. But it's a, I love Dallas Willard's formulation of it. He said it's a deep sense of well-being regardless of circumstances. So you have this pervasive well-being. You can even be grieving. And have this sense of well-being somehow underneath it all. It's a, it's a peace that exceeds our experience and understanding. I think that's very doable. I think we have to change our lives in many cases to make that happen. So that's kind of what the book is about. Like, how do we do this? And I, I think it's very doable. Uh, but so that's it. That's why I wrote it. Like, we live in really anxious times. People are, are overwhelmed with anxiety. That includes a lot of Christians who don't have not kind of... Uh, grown out of it yet so yeah and, and it is a well if you will a crazy time i mean for all kinds of different reasons we could enumerate them but th th there are a lot of reasons right that people uh, in their individual lives but just looking around the culture and the world yeah i think it's important to remember though like when jesus was telling that crowd you don't need to be anxious they didn't have antibiotics they had shorter lifespans. They had food insecurity issues that we, they were being occupied by the war, war like Roman. Like there was tremendous tumult. There was every ism then. There was like, he's not talking to people who had, had it made. And so we, well, now we have so much going on. We can't possibly not be anxious. No, no. We do live in crazy times, but it's always been crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some perspective there that's needed. And also to look at, even when Jeremiah is writing Lamentations, think about this. He's actually saying, everything is being destroyed around me. Everything, like the, everything's turning to dust. We're, the country's destroyed. Our way of life is destroyed. And then he catches himself and says, yet I call this to mind. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. And then he talks about how his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Like, you can you can capture your thoughts like your anxious thoughts and you can speak truth to them this is something we can do it's done all the way through the bible in many different instances but that's just such an obvious example so yeah crazy times but humans usually are in crazy times nothing new well if you would you, you have so many examples so many illustrations in the book but you talk about uh for one the biblical story of uh, a, a guy on a boat with, uh, I think it was 276 people, and everybody was yeah. freaking out but him. Yeah, if you can imagine, like, a, you're on a plane and it's going down, right? Like, 90-degree angle headed straight to the ground, like, and everybody's freaking out and screaming, and you're not. You're like, no, cool. So who's the crazy person? Obviously, everybody's going to think you're nuts, right? So Paul was in that scenario in Acts, it even says there's 276 people or whatever, specifically. 275 people on board are freaking out because it's going to crash. The boat is going down in the Mediterranean Sea. They all know it. They're going to die. And Paul is relaxed. Now, from everybody's perspective, he's uninformed, right? He's naive. He's crazy. But actually, God had told him how this ends. He had told him, yes, there's going to be a wreck, but everybody's going to survive and be okay. So he was at peace. And my point is, in this culture, if you are at peace, if you're not anxious, 
people will think you're nuts. Like, don't you know? Aren't you watching the news? Didn't you see the thing that happened? Don't you know what's going to happen? Like, but you can be totally informed and be at peace because you're better informed because you know deep down that you can trust the character of God. And he told you, you don't need to worry about this. Like, wink, wink, nod, nod. I see it all. I know it all. And you don't need to be worried. Like, you're safe with me. Like, that's that's not naivete. That's knowing more. And that's that's where our peace comes from. It's it's not from like, I just don't know what's going on. It's like, no, I, I actually know the character of God. And I know how this ends, too. And so not just surviving, but but uh, you, you, you say it's possible to live joyfully, even in the midst of yeah. everything. Hey, so that very thing. So imagine actually trusting the character of God that you don't need to be worried about tomorrow. Well, now I just focus on today. And what I do, this is this is my practice in the morning. I'm not a giant at prayer or anything. I've been learning. But in the morning, I've been consistent about asking God, please give me the resources I need for today, my daily bread. That's it. So I'm an introvert, so I ask God, like, please give me energy socially. Please help me have the content I need for my radio show or whatever, because I need that today. But you just focus on today. Well, that's a tremendously humble way to live, and it's actually really childlike. Like, I don't control next week. I don't have these illusions of control. Childlike's good. In fact, Jesus pretty blatant about that. Like, this is the way, this is the faith that you should have like them. Okay. Well, if I'm trusting God that way, you know who laughs more? Kids laugh 11 times more than adults. Like, this is a better way to live. It's a more lighthearted way. And it's, it is doable. Jesus isn't being unrealistic. And the other thing about him saying, like, don't worry about the future. Birds don't do that. Be like the birds. Well, if, like, you study endocrinology, animals don't get ulcers like we do. Because they can't worry about next year, they're not thinking about potential threats that haven't even happened yet. They're not imagining threats. But the, but the endocrinology, the, like the hormone changes, the physiological changes, the deleterious things that happen to your body, it destroys your body. And here's God himself who knows how we're built saying, be like the birds just today. Just focus on today. This is a great way to live. It's much more lighthearted. So, yeah, it's not, not only just not being anxious, it's having this peace that's it's, it's joy. It's beautiful. I think you talk about outsourcing the worry. Yeah, so I, I heard it was Tim Ferriss. You know who that is? He's like, a, he, he writes about, he wrote a book called The Four Hour Work Week or something. I don't mm. know. I don't know. I started listening to it. It's not coming from a Christian standpoint or anything, but it's Sounds about good. time, man. Yeah, it's, it's, I didn't get all the way through it. But, <laughs> but um, he said he was really worried about something. And as a joke, he told his personal assistant, he's like, I outsource everything to her. She schedules all my appointments and does all this stuff. And as a joke, one morning, she lives in India and he's on the phone with her. He's like, hey, I need you to worry about something for me today. So I don't have to worry about it. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and he said the weird thing about it was it worked. Like, just knowing that she was worrying for him, he's like, I'm freed up now to just concentrate on other stuff. And I thought, 
that's kind of genius. And that's exactly what we're told to do when we're supposed to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. That's Old Testament, New Testament, both. Like it's all the way through there. So you outsource your worry to God. You say, I can't handle this. This is not my department. You're equipped for this. I'm giving it to you. And I'm just going to concentrate on today. And then Philippians says, you do that. And then you thank him for all he's done. So you replace the anxiety with gratitude. The result of that maneuver, it says in scripture in Philippians, it says, and then the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And it's a peace that exceeds our experience. Like, so this is the, this is the way to do it. So I, I just thought it was funny, like that outsourcing your worries thing, like he's better than a personal assistant. He can actually do something about it, but that's, that's brilliant. Well, the book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad. My guest is uh, the author, Brand Hansen. He's just been explaining uh, what the book is all about. And, and I'd like to ask you a question or two, uh, Brand, if you don't mind, about about the radio thing. Uh, you're, you're a radio guy, um, and, and yet you've also explained introvert, uh, autism spectrum, and, and things like that. And maybe people don't typically think he would make a good radio guy. I mean, you might think of... I mean, the writing part might come in, but how, how did how did you get into radio? Well, okay, so when you talk with anybody on the spectrum, this is why I think we're the most interesting people. I'm biased, of course, <laughs> but I'll meet a 14-year-old kid on the spectrum, and I'll ask her or him, like, okay, what's your thing? And without a doubt, they have a thing. And it's not just a casual thing. It's like, I'm really into trains. Mm-hmm. I know everything about trains. Or for me, it was baseball statistics like the most arcane, esoteric algorithms. Uh, You just, you go way deep with one thing. And for me, honestly, it's words now, like as an adult. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm still an introvert, so radio is wonderful, as you know, because you're not a big party of people. I'm not in a room with an overwhelming, you know, stimulating, overstimulating environment with a bunch of people. I just, I can concentrate. The other thing is I'm awkward interpersonally and i know that but on the radio i get to dictate what we're talking about and i I don't do small talk very well in person i try because i want to love people Mm -hmm. but on the radio or if i'm speaking like at a church or a conference or something i don't have to worry about that i can talk about what i want and hopefully it's something that's a blessing to people that's what i ask god like just help me so it's actually a sweet space to be for me on the spectrum for other people. My son is on the spectrum. He's a, uh, he's in med school. He's a, he's going to mm. be a surgeon. It's a totally mm. different thing. He's a lot more quiet. And, and speaking of the radio uh, aspect of what you do, people would think of course, and it does, you're at least somewhat anchored to a studio. And yet at the same time in your book, life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. You talk about you've traveled to many countries and people think, well, how, how, how did that happen? You did mention cure, in those hospitals, mm-hmm. obviously, that's that's the connection. But t- tell us about that. Well, how I do it is this thing called best of in radio terms. So it's it's recorded shows like that they'll replay. I call it some of honestly. When I hear it, I'm like, was that really the? <laughs> so I don't know, but um, I do. I, I get to visit these hospitals, and it is the sweetest thing. If you haven't heard about Cure before, go to Cure.org. It is the most Jesus-shaped thing I've ever seen. So these are hospitals that heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom, and it's top-notch surgeries. Neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, 
for kids that would never get medical care otherwise. And it's all done in the name of Jesus. They're prayed over, they're celebrated, they're welcomed. I say these hospitals like embassies of the kingdom of God. Mm. And anybody who visits, you're like, you'll be like, yep. So I, I fell in love with it when I first visited the hospital that they had in Afghanistan. I, I went there several times and um, was just so struck by how this looks like the kingdom of God to me, this healing thing. It looks like an advanced trailer of heaven. That's why I like to write about it. Uh, to talk about, uh, you, you, you write about the 17-year-old girl in Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, my God. So this was the first kid. Like, I've seen all these surgeries, you know, and all I've met all these kids all over the world at these hospitals. The first one, she was 17. And she was like a full-grown woman. And she had a cleft palate that had been neglected. So she's gone through her whole life. Now, again, this is stuff in the U.S. Of course, it's taking care of lickety-split. But she's 17. She's considered cursed. She's considered a monster. Mm. So her parents wouldn't let her out of the house. She had never gone to a day of school in her life. She was very quiet, very shy. You can imagine. Well, I saw her get the surgery. And when she was done and she was awake in the children's ward, she was sitting on one of the beds with her mom. And I came in, I had met them earlier, of course. And she looked totally different. Like the, her face, the hole was gone. It, there was still some swelling, of course, in the suture, you could see that. But she looked so different. Of course, I wanted her to see herself. I'm like, I wonder if she's seen herself. And I couldn't find a mirror. And then I remember, wait, I got my iPhone and I can flip the camera around. So she could. So I did that and I handed it to her. And man, she could not stop gazing at her new face. It was like shock. She looked so different. And all, and you just know her entire narrative of her life had just been unwound, that she was a monster. Yeah. I'm like, this This looks like Jesus to me. It's like, like if Jesus saw her, he would reach out and do that. And every one of these kids' stories is like a movie. It's like uh, there's something about that coupled with telling people about a God who loves them and what Jesus has done for them. Like, this makes sense to me. A lot of Christian stuff doesn't. This, though, I'm like, yeah, that looks like Jesus. So, yeah, that was the first one. And that's, uh, you can imagine, anybody who's sitting on a, on a bed with a mom and her daughter and having a moment like that, you're like, I am in love with this ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what happened. Brent, you just said a moment ago, and I'm just curious what you meant. Uh, you, you said, of course, this makes sense to you, knowing who Jesus is, what he did. We can read about it in the, in the Bible. But you said uh, some Christian stuff or a lot of Christian stuff doesn't make sense to you. What, what, what Christian stuff, if I may ask, are you referring to? A lot of stuff. A lot. So I remember reading this book. It's called Jim and Casper Goes to Church. And it was a retired pastor and a younger guy who was an atheist. And they went on this tour. The atheist was, was a fair-minded guy. And they went on this tour of churches, all sorts of different kind of churches all around the U.S. And they were in one service and something big was going on. And, and the atheist turned to the preacher guy and genuinely asked, is this what Jesus told you guys to do? And uh, the pastor guy said it hit him like it's a ton of bricks. He's like, I don't know. But so a lot of it doesn't compute. I'm like, we're supposed to, he was looking for followers. So I'm supposed to implement his teachings into my life. He's, he's not just looking for converts. He's like, go into all the world, teaching them to obey the things I've commanded you to do. Like, So we're, we're supposed to follow him and be his apprentices. I get that. So he told his disciples to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. 
to show that the kingdom was breaking through. And that's a very direct connection. The other thing that strikes me about these, like churches in America, we, we, we're like, hey, we got good coffee. If you'll come, we got a good band. We got a good, we, it's great. That's fine. But please come and we'll spend a million dollars in marketing and a building and whatever. Well, these hospitals, there's a waiting list of more than 5,000 families at just one of the hospitals, the one in Ethiopia. They're coming from, all, they're carrying their children to Jesus. When you do Jesus stuff, people will come from miles away, just like they did when Jesus was walking the earth. Like they'll, they will bring their broken children. They will bring their problems. They will bring, like, so yeah, that computes to me and a lot of, a lot of stuff. And I'm in the Christian entertainment industry and there's a lot of that. It doesn't, it just doesn't. It's like, okay, maybe that's all right, but it doesn't look like, I don't see the connection to Jesus necessarily. Well, Brand, I know our time's going quickly. I did want to ask, I mean, there's so many things in your book and people are just going to have to read it to read them all and to take them all in. But you, of course, and you've been explaining this already, you want us to know that God, that Jesus cares for us and that he even hears the prayer of a, of a lonely, was it eight-year-old boy in a small Illinois town? Yeah, I was a little bit older. Uh, I'm from Assumption, Illinois, but I remember this. And this is the sort of thing I feel like maybe a lot of the people listening right now can relate to. Mm -hmm. That in my in my most skeptical moments, I'm like, wait a second. I remember something. I was a kid in a bunk bed. This is after my pastor dad and my mom got divorced the first time. They got divorced again later, but very lonely. In Assumption, Illinois, nobody moves into Assumption. It is a town of about 900 people. Um, a lot of people under the poverty line, all that sort of stuff. We lived in a tiny house, but I was so lonely. I literally asked God, I was crying in my bunk bed, which was rare, hoping my brother couldn't hear me, but I was like, God, please send me a friend. We'd just gone through all this trauma, please. The next day, man, at little league practice. This kid named Robbie shows up out of nowhere. Everybody's like, who's the new? Everybody, nobody moves in new. And he had just gone through a divorce and he lived with his mom and she had to move to Assumption out of necessity. That guy, I still text him to this day and laugh about stuff regularly. I mean, yeah, we were best friends, our best friends. That was the next day after I cried out to God. His tenderness and kindness, his character can be trusted. Like you can look at all the stuff and well, this could happen. I could, yeah, but I have good reason to believe his character can be trusted. It's, it, uh, some of it is personal experience, but you have to rehearse that and remind yourself repeatedly, so that you don't become overwhelmed with anxiety. Like what is he can be trusted? You can keep telling yourself that. But I, I've got several little stories like that that are like, yeah. Sometimes I have doubts, but then I'm like, that's just too weird. Like, that's too good. <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of people have stories like that. Well, I, I want to ask you in kind of our closing minutes, you, you um, it's another story, another biblical story, illustration of something happening in a boat. Uh, this time it's, it's more intimate. It's Jesus and the disciples. It's where he calmed the storm. A, a lot of people are familiar with that story. Uh, can, can you talk about that a little bit and maybe how it yes. il illustrates the big picture? couple things that are really funny to me about that story. Number one, so, you know, they go out on the boats and there's a big storm. It's in Mark, for instance. He says Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. And I'm like, a cushion? So Mark doesn't include any details at all. Like, he's the least detailed writer. 
he's all action, but for some reason he uses the word cushion. There's no other incident of the word cushion in the entire Bible, which I think is funny. But that said, the other thing is that whole trip was Jesus's idea. He was leading them out. Let's go out here on these boats, knowing the storm was coming. And then he goes to sleep. Hmm. It was a test. They failed it. But his point is, I believe, don't you know you're safe with me? Even if the ship goes down, you're safe with me. No matter what happens in this world. And it's in this world, he says, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Like, so the applicability to us is, do we understand? Like, we can rehearse worst case scenarios in our heads a million times, but even if we're still safe with him, ultimately, and that's a really strong hand to go through life with. That will make you the non-anxious voice in your neighborhood and your church and your family's life. Like this is this is a peace that no one else has. This is a sense of well-being that everyone else is looking for. Just knowing that you can actually be secure and trust the character of God. So that's that's my takeaway from that story. Well, Brent, right at the beginning when we were talking, you you were saying uh, your book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad. That's what you've been talking about throughout the whole conversation. You said to begin to live like this if we're not, or to, to move forward in living like this, you, you say it may require certain changes in our lives. What, yeah. what changes w- would you suggest? Well, number one, remember this. This is true for everybody. Your attention determines who you're becoming, where you're putting your attention. So what I'm paying attention to today determines who I'm becoming. Who we're, who we're becoming is very important. It's, it's incredibly important. It's everything. So I have to watch what I'm paying attention to. We're being formed one way or the other constantly, and there's no way around that. So that's one big thing. The other thing is, like we talked about, outsourcing your worries, actively doing that. You're formed by spending time with God. He's looking for partners in this world. And we get to partner with him to do his the stuff he wants and go through life with him. That's a great way to start the day. Decide you're going to forgive people in advance. This is a great way to lower your body temperature. It's his, it's his way of living. Arresting your thoughts, like we talked about in, in Lamentations, or when, when David says... Um, why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your trust in God. So you speak truth back into your anxiety. So you think about whatever's true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent. You think about that stuff. I have that scripture memorized because I've memorized it like this year. I'm committing scripture to memory so that I can arrest stupid trains of thought, which I have all the time, and substitute it with something true. And this is these are practices that we we become different sorts of people. And then we react to things differently. It's like we have a different nature. We're changing from the inside out. And um, we have to, or else we're just going to be every bit as agitated as everybody else. And that's really disappointing, especially among older believers. They're just just as agitated, just about different stuff. Mm -hmm. But they get the news on all the time, working themselves into a froth. And like, we need you to be at peace. We need you for the perspective and if you're ever wondering why other generations are so anxious, like, yeah, they're supposed to be able to look at you and see something totally different, not more anxiety and constant news consumption and stuff. So 
anyway, that's uh, there, there are things we can do differently, and it starts with just spending more time enjoying God, talking to Him. Well, Brent Hansen, my guest today, he is a syndicated radio host, uh, and his book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad, and with everything else you're doing, Brent, you have another book coming out in a couple months. <laughs> well, this is this is the it's called the Young Men We Need. It's for uh, it's for younger guys, but the the publisher liked the men we need a lot, like because I actually give a concrete vision for masculinity that's desperately needed. That's biblical. It's clear. It applies to all men, not just outdoorsy guys. Like so, the Young Men We Need is coming out. You can pre-order it if you want or whatever, but um, get it in the library. You don't have to buy it, but whatever, like. Guys are desperate for this, so I'm, I'm excited that that's coming out. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, radio host Brant Hansen, author of Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Samuel James on how the influence of the Internet permeates our lives and society. We're often not stepping outside of it long enough to think, what could this be doing to me? What kind of effects, what kind of thoughts am I thinking because of this technology? We just take it for granted. That's tomorrow at this same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.